Brightwell Podcast presents Lazarus, Episode 2. The Brightwell Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you would like to help out production, go to patreon.com slash square. One of the first things I learned coming into Brightwell that the locals here did not like tourists. And I don't mean in a Portland way, where they'll complain about you online but be cool about you to your face, but in a way that makes you feel like an outsider. Everywhere I went for the first couple of days, I was stared at, like a fish in an aquarium, an animal at the zoo. They never took their eyes off me when I was in like a 40-foot range. It was unnerving. I got a hotel room at the one hotel in the entire town. Conveniently called Hotel. It was a dusty room that looked like no one had been in there for years. I wasn't here for the amenities, though. I got to work. I brought a lot of things with me. The bed was one of those Murphy beds that fold into the wall, which was fine. I didn't plan on sleeping much anyway. And I used the extra room to set up the lab. The amount of technology and expensive equipment I brought with me on what was essentially a spur-of-the-moment trip was probably a mistake. I didn't know what I needed, if anything, so I just brought everything just in case. I decided for the first time in a long time to just stop, relax, and wait. I had done enough research to know that here in Brightwall, you can't force anything. Whatever will be, will be. You can't make it come faster, and you can't delay it any. I just have to sit here, and relax. You know what? I've done enough waiting. Uh, let's force some shit. I immediately left the lab and headed out into the world, really getting a first good view at the place. I read about it so often, it felt surreal to actually be here. Like turning up on a television set. Seeing a world I had already known, but with the saturation turned all the way up. Colors looked brighter, the air smelled cleaner. Brightwall is a place where you get out what you put in, and I must have been putting out a lot of great vibes and happy thoughts. I, I decided to head into the library. I'd always enjoyed libraries, even as a kid. When my friends were out playing and kicking a ball around, I liked to sit to the side and read. C.S. Lewis, Jules Verne, hell, even a, just so I could say I did. It was a safe place for me. After you died, I'd stopped going. When you lose someone you love so dearly, you start to forget the things that you always enjoyed doing. This is a sad situation, so be sad. You can't be mournful and enjoy things at the same time. It doesn't work out that way. Walking through the door, I could smell the old books. They make perfume out of that now, you know. The place was empty, basically desolate, but quiet. I was worried about the quiet. I walked up and down the stack of books, vaguely wondering if the library was actually closed and I was breaking and entering. I looked at the titles, but I had never heard of any of these books before. They were basically nonsense. Schubert and the Amazing Single-Colored Dreamcoat. Muffins of the World. How to Swear at Ducks in Their Own Language. Every Word Spoken by Chris Daddy Mac Smith of Crisscross fame. Alright, so maybe this library wasn't going to be the savior I had hoped. 
So I turned around and started to leave, when I ran smack dab into the tallest person I had ever seen. At least seven feet tall, gaunt, but with sharp features. They looked as though somebody took a raven and stretched it out beyond a human level, and taught it how to work a job. Gah! Sorry, you just... It's like it popped out of nowhere. You are new here, aren't you? Yeah, uh... How could you tell? I don't get many visitors anymore. Not since the, uh, Unpleasantness. Mostly people come here when they're new to the area. Anything in specific you're looking for? Uh, yeah, um... I'm, I'm looking for a book, but like a... Like a, a real book, not... Whatever it is I'm looking at here. Do you have that? Or is this like a joke shop or a set from a movie I never saw? Something like that. Uh, information is at a bit of a premium here. We don't give it out freely anymore. Especially to those as precocious as yourself. I mean, they've been called worse. The books aren't real. Because no one here needs them. We do it to... Keep up appearances. The tourists love it. That's a whole other issue I'm not willing to get into right now. I guess I'll, uh, I'll try somewhere else. Thanks. You never answered my question. What's that? What are you looking for? A book. Like, like I said. No. You aren't. You're looking for the information inside the book... It's a big difference. Now, what are you looking for? Uh, okay, so... I saw this video online of this little girl and her goldfish, and a couple of years ago, my, uh, my wife... Okay, so it all started in... No need. No need. I understand what it is you want. It sounds kind of silly when I say it all out loud like this. Grief is never silly. Man will try anything to alleviate it. Is, um... Is that possible? What I saw in the video? The librarian looked at me for a few seconds. They seemed to be studying me. Evaluating me for something, but I couldn't tell what. The man was impossible to read. Like a vapor given form. The evanescence of his being made me uneasy. What you saw can't be duplicated in the way you saw it. Yeah, I... Yeah, obviously. That, that, that makes sense. But... I think I have a solution that might help you on your way. The librarian reached down behind the desk and grabbed an ornate carved wooden box from the shelf. Two gold Ouroboros symbols were embroidered at the top, flicking themselves through one another. Before we begin, I need you to know, and more importantly, to understand something. As proof of Vaughn's life, there exists the danger of death. This proof exists as a flame 
painfully burning one's life away. It cannot be thwarted. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. It can only be delayed. But, eventually, death comes for us all. Uh, I know. The librarian continued to stare at me. And I understand? Good. Now we can begin. Nothing in Brightwall can be given freely. Everything here has a cost associated with it. That cost will be taken, no matter what. Is it okay to be scared? I'd be worried about you if you weren't. He brought the still-sealed box from the center of the desk, right in the middle of us. The box itself had a presence of some kind. When it's out in the open, it demanded to be looked at. This cannot bring your wife back. But it can help you change what happened. Are you... Are you talking about time travel? You can choose to see it that way. Can I open it? Only if you think you're ready. I wasn't. But I was also curious enough to force myself through it. With trembling hands, I slid the box over to my side of the table. There was no seam to the box where it would open. But as I gently lifted it, a lid formed and ascended. I have a question. Go on. This is a gun. That isn't a question. And he was right. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. A factual statement. Inside the box was a purple silk lining. Resting in the middle of its own cushion was a shiny silver revolver. Ornate images of snakes slithered its way around the barrel and the handle. Tiny gold inlays on its six chambers. A trigger made out of red mahogany. I don't understand. Nothing can be given in Brightfall without cost. Without sacrifice. Without faith. This will provide all of those things. Keep in your mind the time you wish to go. Place the barrel to your head and... Well. Six chambers. Six trips. Run forward, run backward. Okay. Okay, I get it. You're fucking with me. Alright, no. I get it. This is a stupid idea anyway. I can leave. The gun is kind of a dark punchline, though, don't you think? I turn to leave. What if it works? Excuse me? What if it works? What if I'm not playing a game or messing with you? What if this is an honest attempt at helping you? By blowing my brains out. You've heard of wonderful, magical things happening in this town, haven't you? Yes. That's the reason you came all this way. And now that things are getting scary, you don't want it anymore. No, I, I didn't say that. You didn't have to. It's all over your body language. 
This town helps those who help themselves. If you're not willing to pay the cost and sacrifice, you're never going to get what you want. What you deserve. This is ridiculous. But you're curious too, aren't you? Now he got me there. You're a man of science. A man of facts. A man of experimentation and discovery. If this is true, wouldn't you want to know? It's impossible. Even if time travel could work, this wouldn't be how you would do it. This is magic. You wanted magic. I, I, I keep You've already made up your mind, though, haven't you? No, I, I can't. I just can't. I thought not. That's okay. But listen. Why don't you take it with you anyway? A parting gift. If nothing else, it makes a handsome mantelpiece for your home. He slid the box down the desk and towards the door where I was standing. The revolver glittered in the fluorescent light. I felt called to it. Come on. Just take it. I knew this was a trick. I, I knew there was no way this could ever work out, but he seems to think it does, and I wanted it. Maybe this was a way out. I took the box from him. It's been a pleasure working with you. He called as I left the door. My head was basically a blaze, heavy like a sinus infection. I needed to get back to my hotel. Thoughts swirled around in my head, voices pinging on the inside of my skull. This was stupid, and it was a waste of time, and what are you thinking? Are you stupid? How could you think this would work? You spent how much money on degrees, only to seek out a witch or a wizard or whatever he was? That is pathetic. Thank God your wife is dead or she'd be ashamed of what you're doing. I ran up the stairs up to my room and slammed the door behind me. I put the box on the table and flumped down face first onto the bed. What a day. What a ridiculous nonsense of a day. I thought about the librarian and how he did seem to know an awful lot about how this town worked. I thought about the gun. I thought about how maybe this whole magic and resurrection thing was just a story or a tourist trap of some sort. I thought about the gun. I thought, what if he was right? I've thought scientifically about this for so long, and look where that's got me. thought about the gun. I thought, maybe he was just really being helpful. I thought about the gun, and that's how messed up the world is. And I thought about the gun. And I thought about standing, and I thought about the gun. And I thought about walking over to the table, and I, I thought about the gun. I thought about opening the box, and I thought about the gun. And I thought about the gun. I thought about taking the gun in my hand. I thought about the weight of the gun in my hands. thought about the gun. I sat there, motionless, holding the weapon he gave me. I sat there, it must have been for hours, just waiting and mentally pacing, and if this works, I could bring her back. If this works, I, 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 could, I could, well, I guess, I guess if it doesn't work, I, I've got nothing to worry about anymore. I thought about the gun. My heart began to beat faster and harder. I became out of breath. A cold, sick feeling scratched down my skin, infiltrated my body, and settled in my stomach. My palms became sweaty. I could feel the condensation on the handle of the gun. I started breathing heavier like I was in a race of some sort. I placed the barrel of the gun to my temple. My hands shook 
as if the gun was too heavy to keep there for long. There was no way. There was no possible way. I was caught in between my two thoughts. But he was right. There was no other option. I made up my mind the second he showed it to me. I put the barrel to my temple again. A voice, barely more than a whisper, said into my ear. You can close your eyes if you're scared. I closed my eyes. This concludes our broadcast day.